Olympics out there. I'm going to tell you, there's something to be said for watching them Olympics. It's really, uh, makes you recognize just the hard work and the dedication these people have. That's something we're going to talk about tonight. Can I have the lights up in the house a little bit more, maybe this down just a tad? Because it's a little bright on my eyes. That'd be great. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Michael Phelps. If you don't know who Michael Phelps is, you've lived underneath a rock. I'm serious, because there's no possible way. He's like the name probably that's the most known. They said that he has um, out gotten more friends from Facebook than anybody. I mean, just in this short amount of time. Because, I mean, he is just, uh, people are just drawn to him because of what he's accomplished, you know. So we, we, we know if we're watching the Olympics, Beijing, China, if we're watching it, we know that Michael Phelps went on to win eight gold medals. <clears throat> and, you know, when someone wins something like that in that amount of time, we know that there has to be something really great about what's going on in his life. You know, something more than, the, than just what's happened in that small amount of glimpse of time, there has to be so much more that's taken place behind the scenes, so much more dedication, so much more work. And it's really more so about, even though this, this event happens in this blink of an eye that you see this, we know that there's been all this, like, time and dedication and hours of hard work and... Uh, all this training that's really got them to this point in time that we're watching, that we're have, we have the privilege to see something that just happens like that, but we don't get to see all those hours and hours and hours of time that were invested. Um, like I said, he won eight gold medals. Let's take a quick look at this. Michael Phelps, the world record holder. New world record! President Bush. It's exciting. Phelps going first. Freestyle. Another gold medal for America's Michael Phelps. It's the 200 butterfly. Is it going to be a world record? Yes! The second of the three relays. Another world record for the United States and Michael Phelps. Phelps up there in lane five. Phelps has the clear lead. Boy, wonder. Yes! Phelps now with his second to last swim here. Once again, he didn't lose. Potential Olympic history for Phelps. He comes out of the water last and bursts ahead of the field. And Lezak won't let Phelps down at all. History in Beijing for Michael Phelps. Move over, Mark Spitz. The greatest Olympic champion of all time. Eight for eight. There we go. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of work there that's gone in between, behind the scenes there. You know, you get to see him accomplish that and that was like really quick you got to see eight medals being you know one in that quick amount of time you know he worked hard he went all out to win those medals 
And, uh, you know, not, like I say, not just in the race, not just in that little moment of time, but in many, many years of hard work. And uh, he earned those medals. You know, here he is. He's going to be 24 years old in October, it says. But he actually began swimming when he was seven years old. I mean, so you figure a lot of years there he spent on this sport. Uh, actually, when I kind of like studied about him a little bit more, I realized that he actually first competed or competed in the Olympics in Sydney and when he was 15 years old, and he came in fifth place, which is pretty good. I mean, that's pretty amazing in itself. But, um, you know, when he first was seven years old, he started to uh, swim and actually was quite fearful. He didn't even want to put his face in the water, so what his coaches would allow him to do was just to, like, float on his back, you know, when he first started out. It's like, if you're too afraid to put your head underneath water, just float in the back. And uh, kind of really allowed him to uh, develop his first stroke that he mastered, which would end up being the backstroke. And over time, and all that time that he spent, he really was developed into the champion that he really is now and that people notice, you know. If you've been watching any of the Olympics, you've heard, I'm sure, what they're saying about him, that he has the perfect swimmer's body. It's just perfect. It's exactly what you should look like if you're going to be a swimmer. And he's six foot four, but he has an arm span of six foot seven, which is very odd. Usually your arm span, if you stretch out, is the same as your height. And so he's actually kind of a freak in that, you know, that he's got this, this difference about him. He actually has a long, thin torso, and he has actually relatively short legs for a person his height. So he actually has a longer trunk of his body, and his legs are short. If you have watched him on the stands of the, when he's getting the medals, you can kind of notice that. And uh, it says that he has size 14 feet. How many, what size feet do we have in here? What's the biggest? 13? Kevin? Kevin's got big feet. Kevin's got big feet. Uh, he also has large hands, and one of the things that says that he has is hypermobile ankles, which is ankles actually bend over, they said, almost like double-jointed is what it says his ankles have. And so all of this adds up to this amazing body for swimming. I mean, it's just amazing. Not bad to look at. We'll all be honest, girls. We all know that that's true. Um, but, you know, the thing is, we know it's not just the body that, developed him into what he is. I mean, it's not just who he is physically. It's what he's done. It's the dedication. It's the devotion. You know, someone like Michael uh, Phelps, being as tall as he did, he could have become a great basketball player. I mean, tall people go out for basketball, right? That's what they do. Or a really, really great light bulb changer, maybe. (laughs) He could have done that. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, he instead went all out, and he won all these gold medals. And like I say, it's not just this Olympics. I mean, the first one was Sydney, where he was, you know, coming fifth fifth place at 15 years old, then go on to the next and win medals, and then again. And he says he's still going to go off, and he's still going to come back four years, and he's still going to compete. So, I mean, he could win way more, because he's only going to be 27 years old. That's young. I mean, if you watch some of the Olympics, you see some of the people are 41, you know, 33. It's like, wow, that's amazing that they can be as old as they are and still be that good. But one of the things that I want to make a point about tonight is that Michael Phelps is an all-out person. He went all out. He went all out when he went to try to win those medals. And the people who will go all out, the people who will succeed, they're those same people. You know, those people who give their most, give their all, dedicate themselves, those are the people who are going to be, win- are going to be winners and are going to be successes in life. Um, we've been studying a book in CYM. It's the leadership team has been studying a book um, by John Maxwell, and it's talking about the 21 indispensable qualities of a leader. And we've been studying it here, and then also we've been studying it in staff on, in the big church. And I want to kind of talk to you tonight about something that I read in that book because I thought it really had a lot of valid points 
Uh, the man wrote the book is John Maxwell, and he wrote many, many books on leadership. And what he actually says is there's four different types of people in this world, and that you can kind of go back and you can kind of like see where people are at. And tonight we're going to talk about them. And I want you to kind of really think about who you are. Take a serious look at yourself. This is a night where I want you to be very introspective. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you know what, that's them. That's, that, he's kind of a loser, that's what he does, or that's what she does. I want you to stop and think, you know, no, look at me, look at me, look what I do, and see what yourself, see what you're thinking about yourself and who you are. And I want you to really ask yourself and uh, see if you are really achieving all that you're really capable of and, you know, that you have the capability of, of achieving and accomplishing in your life. So I want to take a look at them. The first one that there is that he talks about is we have cop-outs, now, have you heard that term before, cop-outs? It's pretty interesting. It's a meaning, um, a saying that actually means to avoid taking responsibility for an action or to avoid fulfilling a duty. So somebody that's supposed to do something, they just don't do it. And so they cop out. They don't do it. And these people are really the kind of people that don't really set a lot of goals for themselves, and they kind of refuse just to commit to anything. They just refuse. It's like, better not say that I'm going to do anything because, you know what, they just don't want to have anything hanging over their head. They don't want to have to fulfill something. They don't want to have to follow through. So they just don't commit. They don't ever say they do anything. They're the type of people, cop-outs are the type of people that do, they never have a plan. They never have anything in plan for their future. If you ask them what they're doing, it's like, I don't know. That's pretty much it. That's all you're going to get. And uh, a lot of times they don't put into place a goal. They don't think about their lives past the moment, really, that they're here and now. This is me. This is where I'm at. You know, what are you going to do? Go to the bathroom? I mean, they don't think past this moment. You know, go to bed. That's it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's for them, and it's a lot easier just to come up with an alternative in their life than to invest time and energy. And uh, definitely more time and energy spent on themselves than it would ever be to invest or give to someone else or something else. Um, when you look at the Bible, you can kind of see that there's a couple people that go along with every single one of these things. And I think that God purposely made it clear for us that this was the case because we can visually understand that these people were no different than what we are today. I mean, we can just, we can have empathy. We understand that these people are no different. And if you look at uh, somebody who was a cop-out, kind of think about it in terms of Jonah. You know, if you look at what Jonah did, Jonah was supposed to go to, um, you know, go to Nineveh, and he was supposed to tell the people that they were doing things wrong in the eyes of God, and they, you know, God was telling them, you go there and you do this, and instead what he does is he cops out. He's like, no goal there, and he takes off and he goes to a different direction. He goes the opposite way, and he goes to Tarshish, and what he does is cops out. He says, that's not what I'm going to do. And uh, we all know this is the story where Jonah ends up in the belly of the big fish, and uh, stays there for three days. So, you know, God tends to get our attention. Um, you need to understand that, because no matter where you fall on this list, God will give you an opportunity to answer or not, and he'll make it pretty clear. You may not have to go spell, spend the time in the belly of a fish for three days, which I'm sure isn't fun, but, um, you know, you're going to probably go through a trial. And uh, the one thing about cop-outs is, man, they are good at giving excuses why they can't do something or why they didn't go somewhere when you asked them or, you know, did you do this? Well, no, I couldn't because, and there's always a reason why. There's always not just one reason, but usually 10 reasons why they couldn't do something. And after a while, when these people, if you've ever dealt with one, 
has gone off into their myriad of excuses. As they're sitting there saying it, I can tell you, honest to God, right here and now, that I'm sitting there going, uh-huh. And they lost me. My mind is somewhere else. I don't even know what I'm thinking about, but I've completely lost interest in what excuses are coming up with at that moment. Because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before. Yeah, okay, there's another reason why you didn't accomplish the things that you were supposed to do or why you couldn't do it or whatever. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to tell you, as you mature and as you grow, it's, it's not acceptable. I mean, when you get jobs that people expect you to come through, you, those excuses don't fly no more. Because for a while, they'll put up with them, and then after a while, they're like, fired, out of here, and they're not going to put up with it. Those people that are cop-outs are very exhausting. Very exhausting to be around. Have you ever held up somebody that's... Um, won't use their legs. <laughs> you ever tried to do that? You know, you ever have somebody that's like you trying to like pull them up, lift them up, and they just keep falling back down, or some big floppy doll and stuff like that, you know? Those kind of people, I kind of look at them in those terms. A cop-out is a person like a big floppy doll or something that you're kind of always trying to prop them up or, you know, hold them together and stuff like that so that they can accomplish something. And after a while, you just are exhausted because you can only fight that for so long. A person's not going to put up with it forever. And uh, nothing usually comes out of a cop-out. They really don't ever accomplish. They start, they stop a lot, they start again, they stop again, but nothing ever seems to get finished or completed. It's just always partially done, or three-quarters of the way done, or, well, I did everything up to this point, and then they cop out. It happens a lot. You know, but the sad thing about those cop-outs is even though they don't keep moving, they're not doing much, they're always talking and they're still telling you what they're going to do. It's just the type of personality. They, you know, there's always the mouth is moving, but their bodies aren't. And I, I really, truly believe a cop-out is probably the saddest of the bunch that we're going to talk about tonight because they just don't get it. They just don't get it that there's so much more for them. And uh, if you look at it in terms of, when I was thinking about these different things, you know, there's so many different ways I could go with this, this idea. Because truthfully, you can almost see the parable of the sower in each one of these things, between the cop-out, the hold-out, the drop-out, and the all-out. Kind of the same different things with the ground, what ends up happening. But I was also thinking about it in terms of the fact that of what the Bible says about growing up and maturing and being the people that God calls us to be. I kind of think a cop-out is kind of like in the same vein as a baby. You know, kind of like a baby. If you see a baby and you're taking care of a baby everything revolves around a baby, doesn't it? I mean, I don't care. They don't care how you're feeling. If you're happy, just take care of me, feed me, change me, burp me, whatever. That's all they want. They want everything to be about themselves. They're really insecure. They want someone to be there and pet them, give them a lot of attention, tell them they're great, but yet they're very selfish. Everything's about themselves. And this mindset of being a baby, God will put up with for a while. He'll allow you to be a baby for a bit. But what does he say? He says, Time for you now to grow up, is what he says. So I think that we have to understand that cop-outs have got to just mature. They've got to grow up. They've got to challenge themselves to do better. And, and if you're a cop-out, I want to challenge you tonight that don't do that no more. Try to set yourself apart from that. Don't be that person. Try to take a, take a different path. Don't keep going down that same path of making excuses. You know, what the thing is, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to make it. And truthfully, after a while, you're going to find those people that are always there for you are going to probably be less and less there for you over time. Um, then we have holdouts. Holdout is a person that doesn't commit to something out of fear 
or out of fear of failure. I think you probably talked before about a, a holdout. Or you ever hear about a person that doesn't do much because it says that they're paralyzed with fear? They won't move. They won't do anything. And I think that's exactly what happens. They kind of just stand there all the time because they just don't want to take that physical step to do something because they're so fearful that it's going to be the wrong step, that it's going to be something that's going to cost them tremendous amounts in the future, and they just don't want to do anything. It's like, I'm just going to stay right here and do nothing because this place here is safer. You know, and it's, it's sad because it's the fight or flight. You know, there's a lot of, you look at a rabbit, what does a rabbit do? They'll just kind of stand there, won't they, for a long time? When something comes after them, they'll just stand. A lot of times, to their demise. Usually, you know, cats, they're just waiting, and all of a sudden they take off, and the cats, you know, get them by the neck, para, you know, suffocate them and kill them. It's a tremendously horrible thing. Uh, <laughs> that's horrible. It's just horrible. Um, but, you know, the thing is with holdouts is they never really become all they were supposed to be because they never really got rid of the fear of failure in their lives. They never try new things. They don't challenge themselves to go outside of what's normal for themselves. And a lot of times for those kind of people, especially as they become adults, they'll stay in an unchallenging position. They're going to stay in a dead-end job. They're going to be unfulfilled, unhappy. They're going to stay in a familiar but maybe boring career, not really trying anything different because they're afraid because if I try it, I might fail. And really, they look at life wrong because life is all about starting and failing. A lot of times, that's what it's all about. It's really making mistakes and learning from it. And uh, Henry Ford, we all know Henry Ford, don't we? We're still driving the cars. You know, obviously a guy that had a lot of tremendous leadership and potential. He said that failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. So a lot of times we look at failing as something that's horribly bad for ourselves when actually someone like Henry Ford's telling us that, no, it's just a, a new opportunity for you to begin again you know, more intelligently than you did before. They say that, you know, there's so many times that Edison, you know, failed before he succeeded in the things that he did. And, you know, we, we just have to just be willing to, to fail before you can get to success. You know, the thing is, we are all going to fail. None of us are going to come together and do everything perfectly. It just doesn't happen. I mean, there's very few people we can say do everything right from start to finish. They say Michael Phelps was mocked and teased, made fun of like crazy when he was a, a, a young kid. Probably because he probably would look really weird. I mean, with that long torso and the short legs, he's probably would look odd, more than likely. Little did they know, they're probably going to be wishing they could be his valet someday, you know, and take care of him because he's going to make lots of money and they'll be wishing they could go back in time. But, you know, the thing is, you look at people and they're, sometimes they're so afraid to make a bad mistake, and so they just don't do anything. And like I said, we're all going to make wrong decisions. You know, in choice, we're all going to screw up from time to time. In thoughts, we all have dumb thoughts. We all do stupid things. And uh, we all are going to have to deal with the, the repercussions, the repercussions that come from this thing. We're going to have to go back and try to regroup and, and get a different plan, and we're going to have to move on and, and maybe go in a different direction. But we can still succeed if we would just do that. A lot of times people think, no, no, I failed. I didn't do that right, so they just don't try again. And it's really sad because if that happened... To so many people, if they would have stopped, we would have been without lights. We would have been without so many different opportunities in our life to, to have the, the things that we have if they would just stop before that last time when they come through. <clears throat> to truly make it in life, we need to embrace failure, not as a wrong step, but really as a right step. To fail is really to learn. 
to grow, to mature. And it's part of the, us growing up from baby to adult is taking those steps and failing from time to time. This blew my mind. Maybe you already know this. You might because, you know, you've been in school a lot sooner than I was. It's been a long time for me, um, 25 years for me, so it's been a long time. But in the animal world, I read this. I thought I was so amazed. It says, within a second after, seconds after its birth, a baby giraffe will struggle to its feet. And shortly afterwards, the mother will knock it down from that first wobbly stance. And it will happen over and over and over again, the mom knocks it down, until the young giraffe finally will start to stand with confidence. We don't understand that. We don't comprehend it. It's like to us, it's like how cruel, how mean, how hurtful. And we just don't understand because in human beings, we're like, how would you ever treat somebody that you love? I mean, that's her baby. Why would you do that? But in fact, to her, it is love in its purest form. It's, it's to try to get this baby that she will nurse and take care of for the longest time. It's a way for it to get to protect itself and guard itself because it, the mom knows that if that draft doesn't learn quickly how to get up fast as possible, it's not going to survive. It's going to be eight. So what it looks like is a, is a cruel thing happening over and over again right when it's born by knocking it down after it just gets up and knocking it down again. It sounds so cruel, but in fact, she's teaching it much about itself. How to get up when one leg goes one opposite way. You know, how to, how to get up and when, you know, everything's out like this. You know, how do you work it out? You know, it's, it's to challenge it and change it. And I think that we just don't do that because we're so protective. You know, human beings, all we do is coddle and try to pet people and tell them, oh, no, you're going to be fine. And we don't let people fail and we don't tell them, no, this is what you have to do. You know, the one thing up here, you probably notice if you've been here for any length of time, we have student leadership. We don't have adult helpers. I mean, now, truthfully, they're, they're starting to grow up, but they're adults. But, I mean, from, they've been in the youth ministry since they were 12 years old, 13 years old in that. So these, these people grew up in it. And, but you know what? We don't, uh, we don't do the adult thing. It's not like they have everything together. We allow people who are students to come in and learn and teach and make mistakes because we all do. I still make many, many, many mistakes. But the thing is, you know, you allow people to make mistakes and it makes them grow and mature. And it challenges them, and it makes them want to be a leader, and it makes them want to succeed in life. You know, the thing is with a, a holdout, you know, if we had that same mindset, you know, about being knocked down like this giraffe, you know, maybe all of us would be more willing to try to survive in this big, scary world, you know, if we were knocked down and kind of told how to get up by our parents or the people around us or teachers, you know, or whatever, those people that are around us tell us, no, you can do this, you can get up. You know, I'm going to kick you down a couple times. Sometimes I'm sure that my uh, leadership team probably doesn't like the things I say. But sometimes things are not necessarily what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. And so that's a growing experience. It happens. Um, if we don't try, we're never going to get to the point to see when we could have succeeded. If we don't try, we're never going to get it. You know, it's said that a person who starts a business, an entrepreneur, that they'll, try, they'll fail an average of 3.8 times before they finally make it in a business adventure, something new that they try. And, you know, it's all on how you look at it. If, if you think that that's a failure because they've screwed up that many times. But, you know, the thing that if you look at something, if you say, you know, somebody takes three steps and, you know, they get knocked back two, they still gain one step. They've still done something. And at least you're not copping out. 
at least you're moving. At least you're doing something. You know, you might hold out in fear, but you know what? If you start to step out of that fear and you take a step, you know, you at least can get as far as one step. If you can decide to see your own failures as a part of your uh, progress instead of beating yourself up over it, you know, you're going to see your successes build over and over all the time. You know, when we do prayer on Tuesday nights, I know people sometimes when they first come, they're like, oh, I don't want to pray with people because it makes you feel funnier. You know, when you start to pray out loud, we never ask anybody to pray in front of people on Tuesday nights, but I'm saying even if, like, you go out to dinner and someone says, would you like to pray? You know, it's the scariest thing in the world, but the more you do something, the more comfortable you become with it and the easier it gets. So as time goes on, you know what? It's a challenge that you have to step into. Um, If you would just try, you'll succeed. I've told many people who've been up here before that I um, would become my own cheerleader when I was growing up. I never was a cheerleader, but I was one of those people because I didn't have a mom and dad telling me that I could do it. I was always telling myself in the back of my mind that I can succeed. I can do it. I'm going to make it. And if I did a good job at something, maybe no one else was going to sit there and tell me I did a great job at it, but I told myself, that was great. That was good. You got a lot going for you. And I did it because it was the only way I felt like I could make it. And in the long run, it works. If you tell yourself you're going to make it, you probably will. If you tell yourself that you can reach for things, you probably will reach them. Even if they don't come easy and even if you have to constantly challenge yourself over and over again. You are not who you are just because of your name or your birth or whatever. If you, I went off of that, I'm going to tell you, believe me, if I went off of what I had to offer, my husband would have never married me. I wasn't a family that had nothing. We were on welfare. We lived in the housing. We were poor as you could be and had zero. There was nothing for me to offer anything, you know. But the thing is, you know what, if you start to grow up and you start to challenge yourself, you realize that you have much to offer in this world. And it doesn't matter what you come from. It matters what, how hard you're going to try at something. Um, if you look at the Bible again, you got Moses. The experience I've told you before about um, the Israelites in Egypt, and, and here they're, they're, they're going to be taken out of this area, and so they're not slaves anymore. And Moses was uh, told by God that you're going to be the person that's going to do this. You're going to be the person who is going to set them free. And right off the bat, Moses tried to hold out. He said, you know, man, I can't speak well. I can't take that step. Don't make me do it. You know, but my brother Aaron, he's a good speaker. Let him do it. You know, let him be the person that can do it. And he tried to hold out. He didn't want to take and step into that, that moment of, of really challenging for himself, he wanted to just step back and just, you know, no, I'll let somebody else do it all the time. And uh, Moses could do it because God picked him to do it. God was going to help him all along, but he just didn't want to take that chance. Every one of you out there has an opportunity to do something. I don't care if you don't have a great speaking voice. I don't either. <laughs> I don't care if you're not a great speaker from the book. You know what? God will give you the strength to do it. Amy talked about the fact that she's not a really... She doesn't really like to give announcements that much. It's not something she really enjoys. But, you know, Amy does a great job. She has a fabulous job. Now, sometimes I think that, you know, when people ask you to do something that's not really in your comfort zone, sometimes I think that we think the best thing to do is to say, no, no, I don't want to do that. But maybe the best thing to say, okay, I'll try. I'll just try, and I'll see. Because over time, it's going to just strengthen her in public speaking. It's going to tell her to be confident and to a lot of times truly fake it. You know, it's what happens. But in the long run, you learn and you grow through it. You know, there's um, Thomas Edison. He actually said that many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. 
It's just that next step. It's just that next step. If you just try one more time. But so many people think, you know, nothing changes. Nothing changes. I did this so many times. It doesn't help. I'm a failure at that. I'm not going to go forward. And a lot of times they don't know that right in the very next brink, they were going to have success. So many people fall, fall victim to that. I kind of think of um, a holdout as kind of like those adolescents, kids maybe fourth, fifth grade. Um, those people who really sometimes are really fearful to try things. But kind of like as adolescents, like a, a, a small kid that's kind of fearful to try new things, doesn't really want to challenge themselves. It's just easier just to be a kid. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to try new things because, you know, what if I fail and I'm not going to make it? So you got the cop-outs, you got the holdouts. Now I talk to you about dropouts. Dropping out, I'm sure you've heard that term. Because if you can't be, you're going to be in school, you know that you've heard they were a dropout. Was a dropout somebody who quit school, right? That's what we think. So dropping out by definition means leaving something for practical reasons or necessities or disillusionment. Maybe they don't like something no more, and so they don't want to be part of it. And a lot of times people describe a dropout as a quitter. People say, oh, they quit. You know, when they say they dropped out, they say they quit. And a lot of times people will drop out of something because they're just lazy. A lot of people are just lazy. You know, or some people drop out of something because there's lack of hope. They don't think something's going to change. Or, or maybe because they have too many things going on in their life, so they don't want to be part of something. Or, you know, sometimes there's one thing that's taking up all their time, and so they think, I don't want to be part of this. I want to just drop out. Check out this kid. I don't know if you know him. Did you ever hear about him? Yeah, his name is Blake Peebles, an interesting kid, 16 years old, from Raleigh, North Carolina, and his parents let him drop out of school so he can focus entirely on a Guitar Hero professional gaming career. That's his whole plan. He's 16 years old. You know, it says that his parents said, well, it's not an easy decision for them to make because... You know, when he dropped out last September, you know, he was bugging him so much so that they decided, okay, we're just going to let you quit because if you're bugging us that much, we should just let you go ahead. And they said they really couldn't take his complaining anymore. And that he always said that school was just a waste of time, so he drops out. So far, he's, I think, won about a grand, I think, total that he made. But, you know, the thing is, what happens? It's not really guitar. I don't know if you guys know. <laughs> it's not really guitar. It's not a real guitar, you know, he's not like he's the Rolling Stones are going to pick him up anytime soon and just, you know, it's a great thing to do, but, you know, is it really a career move? You know, we all love games. I beat Zelda, and I'm going to tell you, that was hard. And I went out and yelled in Troy Grove, Town of 300, when I did it, I walked outside and I said, I beat Zelda! <laughs> no one cared, only Cameron, but that was it. But, uh, you know, John absolutely saw no worth in that whatsoever, and he was really glad I quit playing games. Um, so uh, it was one of those things, though, because I loved games. I love them. I think they're great fun. But, you know, I just don't see a career move when you're 16 of dropping out of school and becoming a guitar hero, fan, you know, career move. I, I just don't see it. You know, chances are there's going to be a new game system. What happens when you just perfect this one, you, a new system? I mean, what happens? You have to relearn everything again. You know, it's just how often are you going to drop out of life and go into something else? It's, it's just a different mindset on people. You know, these are parents probably that will just think that, you know, I'm going to make them happy, and, you know, it's the long run they're going to be happy. It's like, well, let's hope so. Let's hope he makes a good decision and, and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back. I don't know. 
But, you know, the same thing happens in churches all over the world still today, too. I have known many, many, many dropouts. And the worst thing about them is really their fantasy that they live in their mind that they can come back whenever they decide they want to because it doesn't work that way. You know, just like Blake Peebles, I think his, his plan is, you know what, I'm going to try it for now. If it doesn't work, you know, I'll just come back to school. I'll go back. What does everybody say? Well, you just get your GED, right? You just go back, you get your GED, and you go to college. Chances are, yeah, that might work. But the thing is what happens in Christianity and following after Christ, I'm going to tell you it's not that simple. You don't get to make the decisions that I'm going to not follow, I'm just going to drop out, and I'm going to come back when I want to. It doesn't happen that way. A lot of times it just doesn't work that way. Because a lot of times they don't take into account the fact that there's an enemy. That you're going to find there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come into your path and are going to stop you from coming back. You're going to find it very comfortable to be out in the world when you are uh, walking away from being a true follower of Christ. And dropouts, man, they don't do well when the going gets tough. Anyone who's truly read the Bible will understand that it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of dedication. God's word says it. He says, um, you know, it's going to be a tough time. And, and, you know, it's it's going to be um, something that uh, people are going to have to fight to get through, you know, to, to walk away and then to come back. God's word says it's, it's tougher. It's tougher. It's actually something that we're... Um, if someone were to bring somebody back that's walked away from Christ and to come back, they said it's, it's an amazing thing that um, you're really blessed if you can bring somebody back into that. Look at a, a person who you consider is a, uh, a dropout, John Mark in the Bible. He takes off on that missionary journey, and Paul, the big fight that he has, John Mark says, well, I don't want to go on. He drops out of the, of the missionary journey. And Paul... Not happening, not be happy, happen, can't say that. Not happy about the happening at all. He was mad. The next time he's like, you know what? He ain't coming back with me the next time. He's dropping out, he's done. Because you know what? Paul had the same experience as I do. You know, sometimes I get burned by people and I really have to fight that attitude. It's like, don't expect me to give you another chance. You know, it's, it's our natural human tendency to sit there and just put up all these walls with people and say, no, no, you don't get to. Well, it goes on to show later on that the Bible that John Mark actually does come back. And he goes on to do a lot of great things for Christ in the long run. But, you know, the thing is, we don't always have the opportunity to just come back when we say we're going to. There's been many, many people. I've heard it from two people this summer alone that have told me when I contacted them if they're going to come back. You know what? My plan is just to get through the summer. I'm just going to kind of, like, hang out for a while. And I'm just going to go to different places, and I'm going to see if there's anything else out for me. But I'm going to come back in the fall. Well, Good, I hope you do, but it doesn't matter if there's a number here. I told you, it doesn't matter how many people are here. But truthfully, you don't understand that a lot of times when you do those different things, when you walk away, it's because you were supposed to do something for God at that moment. You were supposed to grow. You were supposed to challenge yourself in your faith, and you walked out because it was easier. And the world's filled with dropouts. Christianity is full of them. God's word tells us to weigh the cost of following after him. A lot of people never weigh that cost. They just don't weigh it. They just think, well, I'm going to start following. It's just something fun. But he says it's not just about fun. It's going to take work, and it's going to take dedication. It's going to cost you something. Um, the saddest thing about a dropout, I think, is that they affect other people. They don't usually just affect themselves. You know, it's kind of like those people... Um, you know, 
you always have those, that saying that birds of a feather flock together. So you have those people. You know, like in high school, you can see the jocks all hang out in one section, you know, and then the, I don't know if you still have. And when I was in school, there was a stoner group. They all kind of hung out, and they were all stoners over in the ones part. And then you had the cheerleaders all over the place and excited about everything under the sun, which I never did understand. I was like, calm down. It's not that exciting. You know, I never did understand that cheerleader attitude, but it's great people are cheerleaders. I love yous out there. We need yous because I'm not one. But, um, you know, the thing is you have all those people that flock together. You know, they tend to congregate to each other. Sadly, what happens is people with that dropout mentality tend to go with people who have the same dropout mentality. It's like, you know what, I don't care. You know, I went online, I was looking for this Michael Phelps thing. I was so surprised because there's so many people all over his YouTube videos. It's like, Michael Phelps is gay. It sucks. If you like American, if you like the Olympics, you guys suck. It's like, who says that? Yeah, I'm like, what's wrong with you people? There's something wrong with you. Why not have a little bit of like, you know, it's like, it's, like, it's just craziness that people feel that way. But, you know, those people attract each other. They tend to follow each other and find each other. And, you know, I think there's that idea of the comfort in numbers thing. You know, it's like if you're a loser and I'm a loser, let's be losers together so that we don't feel so bad about our loserness. You know, that's it. I think that's what it's all about, you know. We can both feel good about our lack of accomplishment. You know, it's like, what'd you do, man? How, what grade did you go? Do six? Yeah, me too. I seventh. You know, it's like, wow, okay, good. You guys did great. You know, but the, there's this idea of thinking they want to, like, you know, failures attract failures. It's like what they do, you know. I think a lot of times I, I can think of that in terms of growing up and, like, a baby, adolescent. I kind of think of that as an, a, a drop of kind of like in the thing of a, a teenager, maybe. You know, someone who becomes really fully aware of all the things that they can do but don't know if they really want to try if they can handle it. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Might drop out. Don't know if I want to be part of that. You know, a lot of times people drop out over and over and over again on things. Then there's an all-out. Now, all-outs, Michael Phelps, Olympic, you know, medal holders. Look at this, Tiger Woods. These people are like all-outs. They're the ones who accomplish and make it. You know, an all-out is going to go above and beyond all that's ever asked of them. All that's ever expected of them, they're going to do better. And, you know, it is the Olympic winner and the person who's going to set goals and they're going to commit them, they're going to pay the price to reach them at all the times. You know, like I said, Michael Phelps might have a body built to be a swimmer, but if not for his stick to itness, you know, and a person that he became that and really followed through, that he became the Olympic gold medal winner that he is. You know, it wasn't just his body alone that made him the winner. It was the fact that he got up every single morning bright and early and spent up to five hours a day in the pool training. You know, it was the fact that he got up probably when he was sick, not feeling good, wanted to stay in bed, but still went and trained. You know, it's this idea of years and years and years of dedicating himself and to devote themselves to it and study hard, even though he didn't want to because he knew that was something else he had to do because his mom was a principal, so you know he had to study, I'm sure of it. And, uh, you know, the thing is, he had to do all those different things. It wasn't just the fact that he had this perfect swimmer's body. It's the fact that he also had what he needed up here. He was an all-out. He was going to succeed no matter what. He was going to make it. And, you know, th they count the cost. An all-out will count the cost. They're going to look at everything and think, you know, this is what it's going to take for me to make it. I'm going to have to do this to make it. I'm going to have to, as a Christian, to be an all-out. I'm going to have to get up, and I'm going to have to read my Bible every day to make it. To be a true follower of Christ, 
I've got to follow what God's word says. He says, read his word every day. This is bread. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but from the word of God. So this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read his word. If you're not reading it by every day, you're really probably not going to make it as an all out. You're probably not going to do it because you have to have those different things. You know, the thing is, you know what? You have to have this all out attitude of never thinking the thought about how you're going to give less of yourself, but how you're going to give more of yourself. If your mindset is right off the bat, well, I don't know, how, how can I get out of that? Right then, not an all out. You're not going to make it. When someone asks you to do something, it's like, well, you know, you know I don't, you're not an all out. Straight up, not to. Not going to happen. Not going to work. Um, if you don't see an all out sitting on the sidelines playing, lollygagging, you know. I mean, you see Michael Phelps, he might have his, his headphones on. He might be listening to, he says he listens to rap music a lot of times when he's, you know, getting ready. But, you know, the thing is, he doesn't sit there and just, like, you know, wait around and mess around. He's focusing. He's doing the things he needs to do. And you don't see them, you know, just playing around. They're bettering themselves all the time. They're devoting themselves to what they're called to do all the time. And there's commitment. And we all need to have commitment if we're going to be a true all-out. Because with commitment, commitment always comes before achievement and accomplishment. You have to commit to something before you're going to achieve it and arrive. It's what happens. You have to have it up here first so that you can actually start to do the things. You have to have a mindset that I'm going to make it. You know, nothing's easier, though, than saying the words. You know, you can say the words, but, you know, it's a lot harder to live them every single day, isn't it? We talk about the love languages. Love languages, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a word person. People say that there's all these people like, I love words and everything. You know what? It's like, to me, words are cheap. People can lie. They can tell you a story. To me, it just doesn't mean much. It's like, show me that you mean it. And that's where I will say, okay, actions speak louder than words to me. NBA legend Michael Jordan says that a heart is what separates the good from the great. If you have a heart that you're going to make it, you're going to make it if it's here, if you truly believe it. So I want you to really think about tonight who you are. Introspective. Stop and think about the person you are. You can change any bit of destiny you have. If you in your mind think, no, no, all my brothers did this, or my sisters, or my family's this, and this is what I am going to be, it's not the case. You can be anything. You can be the cop-out if you want to be, or you can be a holdout. You can live in fear. Or you can be a dropout and just say, I give up. Or you can be an all-out. But you have to look at yourself honestly. And you have to look at yourself truthfully. And you have to start to make some adjustments in what your life and who you are. And uh, a lot of times we think that we're very committed to something. But if we look at our lives and study them, we can see that we're really not as committed as we think we are. A lot of times it's not what we think. A lot of times if we look at our lives, we can see that our lives would really prove otherwise. So you have to think and ask yourself, what or who is the object of your attention? What takes the most of your time? What is it that you spend the most time doing? Uh, ask yourself who or what you're living for. What do you live for? Better yet, what are you willing to die for? What would make the difference? You would just give up your life if you couldn't do it. Uh, John Maxwell says, if it came down to it, what in life would you not be able to stop doing no matter what the consequences are? You could never stop doing it. If you think about that. What is the one thing in your life that you would never stop doing if it was up to you? You could never stop. That's, that's a deep question for yourself to think about. 
You know, we have to think about those things. You know, an all-out person, if you look at a baby, adolescent, teenager, it is a grown-up. It's someone who's made decisions that follow and be true and grow up, God's word says. There was a time when it was okay to be a baby. But he says, now it's time for you to grow up and mature and start feeding others. Start being the grown-up that, grown that you're supposed to be. If you look at Paul in the Bible, what does his, his Bible, the scriptures say? It says that he says, I fought the fight. I finished the race. You know, he grew up. He grew up in his faith. He challenged himself. He got a mindset that he was going to succeed, and he made it. Uh, to make it as an Olympic athlete, like Michael Phelps, who can win gold, man, I think it takes four things. And I thought about these four things, and I thought, yeah, this is, this is true. As far as like an Olympic winner, but also in our Christianity, our faith. Um, desire. Man, we have to have desire. We have to have passion for the things that we love. If you don't really love something, I don't care. Michael Phelps might be, you know, he might, you know, wanted to be an Olympic champion, but if he didn't love swimming, do you imagine every single day getting up and doing something you hated? It's, what's the point? You have to desire something. You have to have passion for it. You have to love something so that you do it well. You know, that's what life is all about, finding that thing that really gives you passion and excitement, and you desire to spend your time on it. That's what it's all about. It also takes dependence. You know, whereas Michael Phelps, he had to sit there and depend on a coach every single day to tell him what he was supposed to do. You know, this is what you're going to do today, Michael. You're going to go this many laps. You're going to do this. You're going to do that for training. It took a lot of dependence on the people around him to take him back and forth. When he was a young kid, he had to depend on his mom and his dad taking him back and forth to meets all the time. He had to depend on someone to get him there. And our faith is the same thing. We have to depend on God. We have to truly rely on God to get us through these times. Sometimes it's very tough, and it's like all you can do is really ask God, God, I, I'm exhausted. I don't have time to do these things. And it's like you just have to depend on him to get you through. It also takes discipline. God's word's filled with that. I tell you all the time that, you know, we have to discipline ourselves. We have to be willing to, the Bible says, beat our bodies into submission. That means what our body feels like doing all the time, we don't let it do just because we think it's what it wants to do. We make a choice, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead because I'm say, I have to take control of what my body is doing. It's going to have to take discipline to be an all-out, to make it. And it also takes delight. And you have to delight yourself in those things, don't you? I mean, man, I, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. I delight in following after him. I delight in leading kids and talking to them and spending time with them. It's something that I just love so much, and I delight in it. And, I mean, I would never want to go back and do something different. And because of that, God will use it. God uses passion and desire, and when we delight in those things, he gives us more of it. That's what it's all about. So, whereas these Olympiads look to receive medals to show that they're the best of the best, you know, when they stand out there and they're getting their medals and, you know, they get to play the national anthem and someone walks over and they put this medal around their neck. If you've seen the Sports Illustrated um, cover of Michael Phelps, it's pretty interesting because he looks like he's wearing a shirt. It's so bizarre because he has these big red ribbons around his neck and he has eight of them and then the gold medals and it looks like almost like one of those Indian costumes, you know, with the red and the gold beads. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Bad. My, uh, uh, Mark Spitz actually looked a little bit more manly, I can be honest with you and tell you. But, um, it, you know, it's interesting because they stand up there and they get all these awards and, and these prizes and stuff like that, this, you know, because they're the best of the best. And, uh, 
you know, these are the things that they, they're getting. But, you know, God's word says, yes, it's nice to be rewarded for those things. But he says we also, in our faith as Christians, we will be rewarded for the things that we do. And uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, it says, Remember that in a race everyone runs, but only one person will get the prize. You must also run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. See, whereas we aren't, maybe aren't going to win an Olympic medal. Michael Phelps' Olympic medals are wonderful. And I mean, I appreciate and applaud all of his devotion that he spent. But truthfully, Michael Phelps, as great of a guy as he is, if he's not following Christ, he's going to go to hell. Straight up. Love him. Think he's great. Enjoy watching him. But the thing is, you know, we can't just desire worldly things. It can't just be about getting a, a medal or a prize. What are we doing with our walk of faith? What are we going to end up? Because we can't just live a life and think we're going to make it. God's word has standards, and the law, there's laws there and what we're supposed to do, and this is the way we're supposed to live. So it's not just enough to have worldly things, God's word says. Those things that will tarnish, fall apart, rust away. We need to worry about the things that are going to last forever. I told you, you're never, ever going to regret spending time in your devotion on what you've done for yourself with God. You will never regret that part of your life. You have to be an all-out for God. It's the only way you're going to make it. Matthew 16, 27, uh, Jesus says, I, the Son of Man, will come in my glory with my Father and his angels and will judge all people according to their deeds. So we actually have to stand before Jesus at some point when he comes back. Like I said, we don't talk about all the time that he's coming back. He is coming back. And when he comes back, he is going to judge people. He's going to judge for what they've done, what according to their, their deeds. There's a, there's a crown of, of life, a crown of righteousness that we're going to receive for who we are and what we've done with our salvation. It's something that we have to remember. We have to keep that in our minds, first and foremost. 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, The one who plants and the one who waters works as a team with the same purpose, yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. See, it can't work. You can't take your buddy, can't take your mama, can't take grandma that are devoted to God and sit there and say, You know what? They're working hard, so I'm their grandson, I'm their kid, whatever. I'm going to go to heaven. Nope. He says you're judged individually you know it, it kind of would really have stunk for michael phelps wouldn't it if those somebody like i said last week did i tell you last week i said what if somebody got or i think maybe i said it in sunday school what if he got up and said you know somebody's there's like you know i don't want to give my best today you know he's going for his eighth gold it was a team competition what if one of those guys got up that day and said you know what just not up to it don't feel like doing it yeah dropping out kind of would have screwed him over wouldn't it the fact that he didn't get his gold medal. You know, the thing is, you are on your own. This isn't a team competition here. This is individual. Nobody's going to get to be able to pull up the slack for you and, and get you in. But one thing that God's word says is it's not just enough just to get in. Don't just limp in. There's so many people in Christianity that, man, it's just the fact that they accept Jesus. and They're just going to just crawl and dig and just, yes, I made it. And God's word says, that ain't enough. And you didn't, you didn't do the things you were called to do. You could have done so much more. You could have got there and just been running. I mean, you ever see those Olympic, Olympic people that, I mean, that marathon girl, I mean, she ran all the way, I mean, all the miles, and then she sat there and she ran all the way around and still kept running. You know, it's like that's what a true follower of Christ, someone who's dedicated and devoted to their faith, is going to do. They're going to keep running. It's not going to be just the limp in and collapse. They're going to do more. Um, what it says in James, 
It says here, uh, talking about our faith and, and following after God. It says here in uh, James 1, it says, uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can be, become mature and complete, grow up, being all out, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. Oh, there's so much God wants to do for us. We just don't ever step into it. The other thing is it says here is, is don't you know that a race and all runners run? We all will run, like I say, but one only gets the prize. One. There's no, well, they say that second place is first loser. That's what it says. Now, the thing is, be willing to do something above and beyond. Step out of complacency. Quit being a cop-out. Quit being a holdout. Don't be a dropout. I beg of you not to be a dropout. There's nothing more that breaks my heart is watching someone drop out. And then, if I can challenge you at all to be an all-out, be that. Make it. Want more. You know, be a person who succeeds. And I don't care. You don't have to be the most outgoing person. I think we get this idea of like, this perfect person and what they have to offer. And think, no, that's a person that's an all-out. It's like, no, God's telling you that every one of you can be an all-out. It's just your mindset. It's just your choice. Every one of you can be what you're supposed to be. You can accomplish, and he wants you to. So I'm going to pray for you. I want you to think about the fact that, you know, be better. Want better. Don't just take who you are and accept it. Man, go for more. Go for broke. Well, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with each person here. Lord, I just pray that they would sincerely have a higher expectation of what they are for themselves. I just pray that they would just really uh, get a glimpse of victory in their lives so they could uh, be a different person. And Lord, just in their schooling and the, just their lifestyle and everything, Lord, most of all, Lord, that they would really think about their faith, that they would understand what you have to offer as far as uh, our walk with you, Lord, that you offer freedom, you offer forgiveness, and you offer us such grace and love and compassion. And Lord, I just pray that each person here tonight would really think about that and I pray, Lord, even if they don't want it right now, Lord, that you would just uh, speak to them in their quiet times or when they're alone or whatever, that they think about the person they are. I just pray that you would grow them up and challenge them to be uh, going for the gold when it comes to their faith. And I just thank you for each person that's here, Lord. I just pray for protection and uh, just uh, guidance for them and their families as they go home tonight and in the coming week. I just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Six years of Kevin, believer in Christ, yes, yes, the blessed family, apologetic warrior, truck went up for the visitors, cast your face of light into the shadows of midnight, to the underground we descend, with a whole generation to defend, got a whole army on my case, got the devil in my face, cause that poor goes, it's the end.